0: Uh, I'm really excited this morning um, to share with you what I feel the Lord's uh, laid on my heart. Something of, I feel like, a bit of a direction for us as a congregation. As you've come back from holiday, as you've started your new year, I feel like there is something that God has spoken to me about for us as a congregational. Sunningdale, 8.30 a.m. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about this. So, Holy Spirit, I ask, would you come this morning? And would you uh, invigorate, would you encourage, would you enthuse, would you fill us with your power? Would you, uh, in the same way that you inspired the writing of Scripture, would you inspire our hearts this morning? In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. I mean, you know what I feel like one of the biggest tragedies is of the Netflix generation? I feel like they have been robbed of something incredible. You still get a little bit of it when you go to the cinemas. But I don't know about you, but isn't watching a movie, for me, most of the time was about the trailers for the movies to come? Like, I don't know about you guys, but they used to, most people are like, oh, the movie's at 8, we'll get there quarter past 8, so we skip the trailers. I'm like, can't we get there early so we have good seats for the trailers? Like, I love the trailers. I love the hype. I love the... Explosions and what's coming, and, and there's something of like I get excited when I see, it. even if the movie's absolute trash, I get caught by a trailer. I'm like, I saw seven cars blow up, four people jump out of an airplane, I'm in, this is gonna be the give me, here's my money. Um, and this morning, I feel like I wanna do a little bit of a trailer, yes, um, for the book of Romans. I feel like there is this incredible book in the Bible that I think if most people look at it, you're just like, okay, there's another book of the Bible, and we move on with our life. And over these December and over this break, I haven't been on break, I've been working, but over this time, I've felt like there's been so much in the book of Romans that actually when I look at us, I look at our generation, I look at our church, I look at our society, I look what we're facing, and it's all there. It's all there, written, how to live, how to act through this, how to conduct yourself, how to find a way forward, what Jesus has done, who Jesus is, what you've been saved from, what you've been saved for, what you've been saved to do. It's all in there. And so I have gotten really excited about this to the point that I was like, babe, I'm not actually going to preach out of any, I'm going to preach to encourage people to read this for themselves. Because I feel like if you understand the importance of the message and you grasp it, it will change your life. I wanted to dedicate a whole Sunday to preaching. I shouldn't be oh no, all the kids are in. To preaching about sex and sexuality and, and all the stuff that we face in our culture today and how actually it impacts every single one of you sitting in this room. So don't act like I just said a bad word. And how that is the controlling force behind the culture that we live in. It's how we sell things. Literally everything. Even cat food. It's like, buy this cat food. And there's a lady in a bikini. You're like, I don't get that. (laughs) And that whole thing is addressed in the book of Romans. Romans about how as Christians we struggle with this guilt-shame relationship with God where we feel so bad for what we've done and then we don't come towards Him and actually He's given us His grace and He's the one who saves us and we're saved by faith. We're not saved by works. This stuff is life-changing and it's all written in the book of Romans. And so I want to take, I'm going to start my timer now, so you gave me two minutes free. I'm going to literally take... a. 30 minutes, and I'd love to get you excited about this book, and I guarantee you, if you give yourself to reading this one book this year, 420 verses, if you give yourself to reading this one book this one year, and I I was telling Nick before the service, I was like, man, I think for the rest of this year, just once a month, I'd love us to preach out of the book of Romans, because I feel like the Spirit of God, in the Word of God, there is power There is power in a world that lives by subjective truth. There is an objective truth, and it's written in the Word of God, and it is powerful. And so, the first disclaimer is if you ever read anything in the book of Romans and you disagree, you are wrong. That's the disclaimer. You are wrong. It is right. The other disclaimer is it will upset you. It is not for sensitive viewers, it's got an age restriction. It will upset you, because it will go against your very fleshly nature, the thing that doesn't want to be tamed. So I'm jumping so far ahead. Can I give you some quotes from more important people than me? Because I think everyone's like, okay, that's great. The pastor read Romans for the first time. I don't know if this is awkward or if this is a good thing. Let me tell you what other amazing men of God have said about the book of Romans. Martin Luther says, It is the true masterpiece of the New Testament and the very purest gospel. A Christian should not only learn it off by heart, word for word, but also he should deal daily with it as the daily bread for his soul, for it can never be too much or too well read or too well studied. John Calvin would say, if we gained a true understanding of this book, we'll have an open door to all the most profound treasures in the whole of Scripture. Tyndale, who writes, it is the principal and most excellent part of the New Testament, the most pure gospel, and it's a light and a way into the whole of the rest of Scriptures. Others say, it's arguably the most influential book in Christian history, perhaps in the whole of Western civilization. Every great spiritual revival in the church will be connected with a deeper understanding to this book. The English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge says Romans is the profoundest book in existence. Do you get that this is a movie worth watching? <laughs> Are you one of those, I know you get like review snobs. Maybe you're a review snob. I'm not. Me and Stefan, we watch movies often together. Stefan will not watch anything less than, what would you say, like a seven, IMDb seven, eight. If it's less than an eight, I can't motivate him to watch the movie. Very often, and I like spaceships blowing up stuff. Those don't normally score higher than a four or a five. So whenever it comes time for us to watch a movie, I'm like, Stefan, there's this amazing movie. He's like, tell me about it. I'm like, well, it got a 5.7, but I'm saying like, This is not just anybody who's telling you that this, if you read and understand and come to grips and apply this book to your life, you will be forever changed. These are written by men who have changed the planet. So do you get it? It's like this is an important book. And so I'm going to just, we're going to look at the first seven verses I'm going to explain a little bit of them, a little bit about the person who wrote them, and a little bit about why at the end of this, my ultimate goal would be you actually like, I want to go home and read the rest of this chapter. Like, what was he talking about? Because there is something in it for all of us. Fads and trends come and go. Do you know how I know that? Look around you. You will see some of us have got stuck in a certain fashion and then you will see those who are continuing with current fashion. James, could you stand with me quickly? Just, just come to me. I like to think I am as cool as James. This is what is cool. This was cool in 2003. It hasn't changed. Fads! Thank you, James. You can sit. This is current. In case you are looking for a new wardrobe outfit, that's what you should be looking like. Basically a disciple. From the old days. I love it. (laughs) Fads come and go. Fashion comes and goes. Theologies come and go, Church movements come and go. Things change all the time, but the Word of God remains the same forever. It doesn't change. That's why our stance on things doesn't change. Oh, you Christians, you're so backwards thinking. No, we just don't change with the fads and the trends. Because the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. doesn't change. If you change it, you're wrong. If I elaborate on something about this that is new, I'm wrong. It's simple. Sometimes it's just written in difficult language. Peter literally writes that. One of the apostles, Peter, he says, Paul's difficult to understand. So understand that if you read Romans and you have this, I have no idea what's going on feeling, you're in the right book. Because even the other apostles who walked with Jesus didn't understand what Paul was saying half the time. Okay. Romans 1 verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Can I tell you this? And I preached a whole preach about this last year at a conference. The first thing before anything else is that we serve a God Who served us first. You cannot serve God. You cannot count for him. You cannot be the one who served him before he first served you. And so even though Paul is an apostle and he's called to serve God, it's because Jesus was first the servant. It means he gave up his seat in heaven, he became a man, he came to earth. He walked our miserable lives. He lived lived in the mundane. He lived a perfect life, free from sin. He ministered for three years, and then He was crucified on a cross for our sin. And He rose again, and then He ascended to be with the Lord. Jesus is first a servant. He didn't come to serve Himself. He came to serve you and me. And so there's this dude that he serves, this Paul character, this guy who writes the Bible, like he says, I'm a servant and an apostle. Like, okay, that's cool. Like, who who gave you that opinion of yourself? And so there is this understanding that you have to have of the man, and then you'll understand the book at times. Because you're gonna read about someone who is a slave of Jesus Christ. So when he talks about the level of commitment, when he talks about what it means to serve Jesus, he himself sees himself as a slave to the gospel, that that is the very reason he exists, is for the message of Jesus. And so whenever you read your Bible, I want to ask you, who served you first and who do you serve? And so in the, in the book of Acts, Acts 7 and 8 and 9, it's, it's Saul's story. And basically this guy, this is how you know how profound this revelation is. Paul was a terrorist, basically. He was a Pharisee. And what he did was he led a group of people to round up and persecute and stone and ruin Christians' lives, drag them off to prison. That's what his day job was. Imagine how awkward of a conversation is that. Hey, what do you do? I'm on a mission to persecute every Christian that I can find. That's literally his day job. He said he writes about himself in other books saying, I was the most zealous. And so you must understand, for somebody to go from doing that to writing the book of Romans, God has done a miracle in their life. The story of why Saul's conversion impacts us so much is because if God can do it for him, trust me, he can do it for you. None of you are half as bad as he was. You're like, I don't know, but I've done some pretty, (laughs) like. You know, Paul was there. He was one of the instigators behind the first martyr of the New Testament. But he was on the side throwing stones. Well, Stephen, one of Jesus' disciples. Stoned to death. Saul is the one standing, looking after everybody's clothes, affirming what they're doing. This is the man who the gospel radically changed and impacted. And Jesus came down. And and Saul's story is he was doing so much damage to the church that Jesus himself decided to intervene he meets him on the road to Damascus and he appears to him in front of his face and he says, why do you persecute me? And the man is changed forever. And he goes from being the persecuting oppressor to considering himself a slave to the very message that he was persecuting. And so Paul served in two ways. He served in how he lived and these are all, I, I feel like it's important for us to know this for when we read the book of Romans. So the first thing is, he's a servant in the way that he lived, and he's a servant in the way that he, wo- he spoke, his word. And so the first thing is that basically, after Paul was saved and when he was ministering, he would roughly walk 32 kilometers a day to minister. Single, poor, poor running side jobs, dealing with riots, and being thrown into prison. That's how radical this guy... I mean, let's just be honest. Tony, you went for a little stroll on Saturday. How far was it? About 13, About 13 Ks. I mean, and, and you needed the rest of the day to recover. Yeah. It was quite a little mountainous peril, and, the, and there were some sheepdogs chasing him along the mountain... The young and fit amongst us. But that's, that's, this guy, every single day, walked up to 32 kilometers to minister. It's, that's if you average all of his trips that he did. It's, in, it's insane. What's some of the other stuff he went through in 2 Corinthians 6.4? It would say he suffered afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots. This is the call of God for your life, guys. Who wants this? Hunger, sleepless nights, slander, Treated as an imposter, he sometimes says dying, punished, sorrowful, poor, having nothing. It it gives you a bit of a picture behind the person who wrote the book. 2 Corinthians 11 and 23 to 39, he basically gives this, his CV. What qualifies him? He says, he was given stripes above measure. He was in prison. He was whipped 40 straps minus one so 40 straps. they would say on average if you whip a guy 40 times with a certain whip with a certain strength They die So he got whipped 39 times 5 times Beaten 3 times with rods Stoned once Not that stoned The other stoned You have to clarify shipwrecked three times. He says, not in a day have I been in the deep perils of waters. He was worried about robbers, perils of his own countrymen. The people he was preaching to try to kill him. Now he's starting to, I know what's happening at this point. We go like, it becomes so far above what we experience, we actually start to almost check out. We're like, okay, yeah, well. Okay, that, that makes him an amazing man. That's cool. That's not me. I'm just... I struggle to go to work on Monday morning because my boss irritates me. Like, No, no, no. This is what happens when you allow Jesus to serve you. Your life finds a purpose worth living and dying for. Why did he go through all of this? Because if he didn't, none of us would be here today. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, the messenger to us, the non-Jews. If he didn't go through what he went through, the church wouldn't be what it is today. When you find yourself being served by Jesus and then serving Jesus, your life finds purpose and it impacts many. We have no purpose outside of him. If you struggle with purpose, if you struggle with why am I here, if you struggle with, I don't know, I don't know what I'm aiming for this year. If it, I'm telling you, it's because you're not allowing Jesus to be your servant and for you to serve him with everything. Paul, servant of the word, he studied under this renowned rabbi Gamaliel. He was this the greatest. It's like the equivalent of one of us going to the most, the most amazing university in the world. Paul studied under the best of the best of the best. He was fluent in Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and possibly Latin. They say. In his letters, he quotes the Old Testament over a hundred times. He echoes themes throughout the whole Bible. He writes 13 or possibly 14 of the 27 books of the Hello? This guy wrote half the New Testament. And the other guy who wrote some of the two biggest writings, Luke, who was a disciple of Jesus, he followed Paul around. He was a doctor. He's the one who kept putting Paul back together every time they beat him. Literally, read Acts. Read this. You'll, you'll, you'll read. Luke gives an account of what Paul went through, and he was the doctor. 39 times, five times 39, he probably sat there stitching Paul up afterwards, treating his wounds. You're talking about a massive portion of the New Testament, which we believe is the word of God is written by these two men. Surely there is something in it for us to learn from them. All right? Cool. Losing a few of you. Augustine said this. I wish I had Christ in the flesh and Paul in the pulpit. That's how impactful Paul's preaching was. It's changed all of our lives. What we believe is based on what he preached and taught. Luther says, Paul was the wisest man after Christ. The first theologian in the early church, and arguably the greatest in the history of, Q- of Christianity. And so that's just a little background on the author, and now I'm going to quickly read some of the Bible for you. <laughs> and then we're going to land. I want to say this first of all, there are three kinds of relationship that you get with others and with God. You get selfish and selfish. First of all, God is always Servant in our relationship he always is he chooses that it's not like we put him on that position it's not like we say God is my servant no no, no. we re- to in order for you to believe that God serves you means you have to receive what he gave because servants come to bring okay so often we have this we have a selfish and selfish relationship where I worry about myself and you worry about yourself and those are brutal relationships Those relationships are not, it's all about me, and it's all about you, and we try and in between find what mutually benefits both of us. The other type is you get the selfish and the servant. Those are abusive relationships. This is how some people have their relationship with God. It's where the servant always comes to bring, and the selfish always comes to get. This is where most twisted theology is actually an abuse of what Jesus came to offer. I've seen this with grace and mercy. People feel like, "Ah, oh, there's no need for repentance. God's given me His grace. I can carry on doing, I can carry on living in habitual sin consistently because he'll, he'll, he'll remove it from me. But actually the right kind of relationship that we're looking for, and we'll find this in Romans, is the servant and the servant relationship where He serves me first, and then I live my life to serve Him. So now, you can open your Bibles. (laughs) I want to be 12 more minutes. Romans 1, verse 2 to 5. God promised this good news long ago through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Again, I think we become so familiar with our Bible, we forget how significant this is. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord And through him, God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. How incredible is that? Do you know that, I think we so often forget, do you know that in no other religion is there prophecy like you find in the Bible? In no other way, shape or form. I'll give you quick examples. Uh, 700 BC, Isaiah 7 verse 14. It's a scripture written 700 years before Jesus. The Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Micah 5 verse 2. Where Jesus was born was prophesied. 400 years before it happened. Bethlehem. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me who will be the ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. There's, there's, there are thousands of these scriptures, where the, literally, where the prophecy of Jesus and who he is and what he came to do was written about long before he came to do it. Again, I'm establishing the case that what you read in this book is not just your daily devotional that you skim over and you wonder how you can apply it in your life. When you skim over and you're like, oh, Romans 1 verse 8 today, this is my daily devotional. Like, actually, if we grasp this as a Christian, if you read this book and allow it to shape you, you will be different forever. And I won't have so much drama to deal with. In my own life, because I also. Because it's all addressed there. Verse 6 And you, you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Every single one of us sitting here this morning. You have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. To belong. It's the thing that we long for most, a place to belong. You are called to belong to Jesus. He says, I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God. Do you know that? Do you know that this morning, as you came in, regardless of the circumstances of your life, regardless of how things are on the up or things are on the down, I want to tell you that you are called to belong and you are loved by God. He loves you. It's exactly like Wayne said. It doesn't matter on what side of the ladder you find yourself in terms of worthiness. He loves you. It's scary how when we look at the world around us, you can, you can go very easily from a Monday to Friday without anybody telling you they love you. If you're single, if you're not married and you don't have kids, I can guarantee you it's, it's very easy to go from a Monday to a Friday without somebody telling you they love you. Hopefully your children say they do and hopefully your wife does <laughs> or your husband. If they don't, there's more problems. But I want to tell you this morning, you are loved by God. And you're not just loved affectionately, you're loved intensely, that he would give his life for you, that he would want to save you, that he comes to serve you. You know, Paul, as amazing as he was, before Jesus, Paul just had, he had religion, he needed relationship. Being a Christian, honesty moment. Disclaimer if you're visiting Josh Jen, I, I, I also consider myself a Christian. <laughs> Being a Christian, somebody who, who lives as a believer, who has a religious form, an appearance, without the relationship of God, it sucks and it's a heavy burden and it's a weight. To live up to the expectations, to live up to what you ought to do, to live up to all the it's it's a burden unless you have a relationship with him. There's two kinds of people. Two kinds. Okay, you ready? Profound statement. There are sinners who know they need Jesus. And sinners who don't know they need Jesus. But they're all sinners and they all need Jesus. And that goes for me. And that goes for Tony. And that goes for anyone else you th- might think has the appearance of getting it all together. We're all the same. And we all need Jesus. And your daily life and your walk with God and your Christian life journey that you walk on without a relationship with Jesus. The person sucks. To fulfill the obligations is weighty. It's exhausting. But when you receive what Jesus has done for you, it becomes your greatest privilege. Like Paul, you consider your whole life's purpose to tell people about how he came to serve you and how you now serve him. And he touches on Paul, I mean Paul, the apostle. If there was any, any time a guy deserved to be paid for what he did, it was Paul. And yet, for the sake of all of us who have to hold down jobs and not just be full time at the church... He can, you can relate to Paul because he also had to make tents. And even in having a day job, he found his purpose in what Jesus had done for him and how he could tell what Jesus has done for them. And so even in your, I understand I know that this year, our jobs and what we're going into, and maybe your boss moved, or you got a new boss, or maybe you started a new job, or maybe your career is on a different trajectory, or maybe you don't have a job. I understand that very often in our current world, our, our, our work in our world—it's it's most of our day. And I'm not here to tell you that that most of your day means nothing. Completely opposite. Actually, that, that most of your day that you spend at work, you can find purpose in Jesus even at work. Even in how you work. Even in how you treat people at work. Even how you can be a messenger of what Jesus has done in you. You can do that all while you run accounts or make sales. Or it doesn't mean that you're out preaching the gospel on the clock because you're working. <laughs> I'm talking about it's about... The way that we live, I am a servant because he served me. My life is not my own. Cool, Come on land there. You know, for Paul, it was it, it was a normal day for him when he was on the way to Damascus to kill Christians. That was like Monday morning. It's like when Austin has to drive up the West Coast to go sell, Austin works in lighting. He's going to go sell lights. That's what it was like for Paul. Oh, well, get on my donkey. I'm off to go kill Christians today. It was a normal daily job for him. And he met with Jesus. Do you expect that? That on your normal daily job, your normal day, You can have an encounter that will change your life forever. And others could experience and encounter Jesus in a way that changes their life forever. Jesus became his Lord. He washed away his sin. This morning, that's what the Lord wants to do for us. Tones, can you come up? I want to land. And I want us to just land in like a moment of reflection. This morning, this is my desire, because I I always, before I preach anything, I'm like, what's the point of what I'm sharing? Why am I doing this? The point of what I'm sharing this morning is, I feel like what I can't guarantee you is that me and other leaders and other people and church, I can't guarantee you that this will be like this forever. But I'm desperate for every single one of us to be able to walk and live and follow Jesus with a passion and to find purpose in Him. And so we belong to one another, but we actually rely on Jesus. And the only way that's possible is if you find yourself rooted in the Word, rooted in the truth. I purposefully... Purposefully, I'm not ignorant. I purposefully stayed away on the first two Sundays after New Year's from preaching messages of like, okay, now that you've all forgotten about Jesus, come back and repent. Do you know why? Because it's a foundation block that you read about in Romans that you're not saved by what you do. You're saved by who you have faith in. And so even when we fall short, even when we sin, even when we walk away from Him, it's His work that is faithful to save us. That it's not this relationship with God that you're trying to keep up with being good all the time. That sucks. If that's it, I'm out. I don't want that. But on the opposite, it's this relationship, and this is what you'll find in the book of Romans, of this pursuer named Jesus who came to give us life for us, to save us, to save us from God's wrath, to save us from ourself, to save us from our own desires, to save us from our self-sabotaging behavior. Because He loves us and He loves you dearly and He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you. So I wonder if we can bow our heads. Oh Lord Jesus, I, even as I just speak about this, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for you. I'm overwhelmed with your kindness and your mercy and your faithfulness. You are so good to me. can all stand together We're gonna. I'd love to ask this morning if is, as I've been sharing this um, maybe you find yourself as one of those two kinds of people you know the one is those who know they need him and the other is those who don't know they need him and if your eyes have been opened this morning maybe there's somebody here this morning who's like I actually you know what I, I need him